Hey everybody, this is Tino Beth, episode number one of the Quantum Feedback Podcast. Welcome to the Quantum Feedback Podcast, where together we'll explore the bridge between science and spirituality, translate the messages of the divine, and play the infinite game to live, love, and learn life lessons. I'm your host, Tino Beth. Let's dial in to quantum feedback. Welcome to the show. Today, I'm going to be talking about what is quantum feedback, introducing myself, my story, and kind of how I came to develop and how I came to discover this and, you know, and what it all means. I guess I'm, a, I'm going to try and attempt to, to answer all those questions in, in the first podcast of this um of this series. But first let's begin with with what this show is all about because really like this is for me uh, an expression a form of exploration really to explore the quantum field to explore this new science and to really unpack it and to take it on a on a you know like to slow down and to really explore it in a, in a first person living on the front lines sort of way. So former, first and foremost, it's, it's really like me scratching my own itch and documenting this journey of discovery and documenting, you know, the journey that other people have gone on to come to similar conclusions, come to their own realizations. So I'm extremely curious to learn about other people and their journeys that they've had and their relationship with the field and their relationship with themselves. And I'm curious about that because (laughs) I'm curious about my relationship with the field and my relationship with myself and, you know, and controlling my energetic or being aware of my energetic frequency so that I can navigate this world and be more aligned with my authentic self. And that's just so fundamental to me to experience that I'm putting, you know, I want to create this podcast and I want to actually document this journey of tapping into quantum, into the quantum field and creating quantum feedback and as a result of feeding forward into the field of, of creation and and really expanding the consciousness of, you know, of the listeners, of the planet, of myself and expanding my self-awareness so that I'm creating better feedback. I'm, crea- I'm feeding forward into the field, creating better feedback and practicing a sense of radical allowance, radical authenticity, radical like vulnerability in this whole work, in this being imperfect, the perfect imperfect human that we are. So that's you know that's first first and foremost that's my experiment in in being imperfect and and showing up and learning this and documenting this journey and becoming supernatural in the way that we were meant to be. It it kind of reflects my perspective, my way of life, which is showing up radically in the moment, using my full capabilities to navigate that experience. So let's dive into a little bit more about Tino Beth and how I came to be in this position studying this stuff and 
really curious and pushing myself to uh, to show up. So I just want to talk about my story a little bit and my journey to discovering quantum feedback. So on a on a big picture level, on a big picture, I don't want to have to be repeating these stories and be reconnecting with this story of the past, with my stories of the past, these stories that um, that make up who I am, that make up a lot of my subconscious conditioning, that really tie me to to so many different, you know, like programs within my own psyche. So I just wanted to lay it out in the podcast so that I wouldn't have to constantly connect with my own personal story of the past so that I could I could be liberated. I could reference that. I could reference that in you know podcast episode number 1. And as a result, I could allow the mental bandwidth of my of my mind to focus more on the future, focus more on possibility. So I wouldn't be um wouldn't be like recreating that subconscious programming again and again and again, which is a, a valuable thing to be able to do, and I highly recommend it. So let's dive into the past. I was 11 years old when I figured when I learnt from um, a policeman knocking on our front door that my mum had died. She had actually committed suicide, and she took her own life overdosing on drugs and it was like to receive that news when you're 11 years old it was uh it was heartbreaking and so disturbing on so many levels i won't even begin to go into that because this isn't a therapy session this is just an overview of the past but what it made me realize was that i didn't understand a what life was because i didn't understand what death was properly that really set up the frame for you know my journey of discovery because I was hell-bent on exploring the bridge between life and death. I was hell-bent on, dis- on pushing the limits of where life met this bridge, where that bridge, you know, where life ended and that bridge began. You know, over the following years after this, you know, this pretty impactful experience, I found myself in a troubled youth kind of situation, in a troubled situation where, you know, I was addicted to drugs, I was addicted to marijuana and to drinking alcohol and and that way of life as a as a teenager. And that really got me stuck. That really you know, that created a stuck situation. That was like hardwiring this program into my subconscious and there was an element of my awareness that was um you know this infinite awareness that we all have that was like this is wrong and I want to get out of this program and I want to you know start a new program when I was 18 I I didn't really you know things were progressively getting worse and worse and worse and I didn't know how to take action I didn't know how to cut my ties with the stories of the past with this um with this program, this operating system of, of how I was showing up. Didn't know how to cut those ties living in a small town, Byron Bay, Australia, in that region, and and being surrounded by the same people. And I felt pretty hopeless about that, about the prospect of change and, and, and recreating my life, so to speak. So one night after I... 
after a party, after I had a few too many drinks and I had fallen asleep and I, um, as a result of all that, I, I fell asleep and I woke up at what, one o'clock or two o'clock in the morning and everyone was uh, asleep from the party. They were properly asleep. They were, you know, resting and I was just awakening from my overdose, so to speak. And I decided to go to my car, check, you know, like check on my car and see what was going on there and then regroup, so to speak. And I was regrouping. And as I was doing that, I thought that, you know, I felt there was a crossroads of life happening right there and then. And I was like, man, maybe I could um, test my limits and drive home. And I was clearly over, over the limit. So I, I tested my limits and I and I drove home. I jumped in the car and got going and it was like 2 o'clock in the morning and there was no one on the road and I was being really careful and, you know, driving under the influence and and it was really quite a, a peaceful drive. I was, I was really aware during the, during the drive and conscious about what I was doing. And during that process, I was also re- evaluating my life and sort of like looking into the future and how I could create change and how I could reset my life and how I could transition into a different trajectory of of um of my life's journey and essentially how to quit you know these addictive substances and and begin a whole new chapter in my life so as I was driving home I I thought about different examples, different case studies that I'd seen about, you know, different hero's journeys, if you will, where the, the hero would transition. They would, they would, there would be some external circumstance that happened to them that would force them to rise up above the challenge and that would force them to become, you know, more than they were showing up as in that time. And these case studies, these stories were... You know, like of people that were challenged by life-threatening situations, sailing adventures and meeting a rough ocean or being stuck in a tropical cyclone or running away from home or beginning a new job that was really challenging. Or These were the kind of um, examples that were running through my mind as, as I was driving down the highway at 2 o'clock in the morning. And it was during that time when I was like, oh, maybe I could, I could recreate that situation for myself. I could create a reset. I could create a hard reset for my, for my hardware, for my body, for my brain. And that hard reset. So during that time, I was imagining what I, I could do, what was in my power at that moment to initiate some kind of a life reset. And I, th- I imagined that running away could be a ticket, running away from home. I was living at home at the time. could be the ticket to do that, but it would, it would require a, you know, a lot of discipline, a lot of transformation, a lot of trial and error. And I just didn't think that was possible for me at the time. So I looked at other avenues while I was driving back at night over do- uh, in like DUI and... I imagined that driving off the edge of the cliff that was coming up would be an example of doing a life reset, provided that I survived, um, you know, to survive the crash, so to speak. 
And I was like, oh, that's an option. That you know, this is an option in the, you know, in the in the awareness of my mind. I was considering options. I was considering possibilities and what could create different doorways. What could create different? What could open up different doorways to potentials to potential change? And I thought about that again, and I thought, well, driving off that cliff and rolling down that hill would not be a um, <laughs> a healthy way to continue this journey. So I <laughs> scrapped that idea. But during that process of scrapping that idea, I found there was a backup option, and that was a, that was the um, that came in the form of a semi trailer parked on the side of the highway right next to the cliff and I was like oh wow this is like a sign in a way and and during that moment I had this moment of illumination where I could see that me driving into this situ me driving into the back of a semi trailer that was parked on the side of the road would reset my life would reset you know would would provide would be the vehicle to reset my life and that is exactly what I did. I veered into the back of a parked semi-trailer that was parked on the side of the highway and and actually plowed into the back of it at about 100 k's an hour and I was very fortunate to walk away with my life. I was very fortunate to uh, only suffer mild, um, mild injuries to my body and I was very fortunate to once they pried the door open of my car to get up and walk and to lay on the stretcher and to then now let go and relinquish to the healing, relinquish to the reset and relinquish myself to, you know, the, the medical system. And they, they really looked after me. So I'm very grateful to Lismore Base Hospital for housing me and looking after me because I was in a coma for five days as a result of this this process <laughs> As a result of this reset, you know, hard reset, when you turn your computer off, that was the analogy that I was making. Is like when your computer is frozen and it's not responding, you just turn the power on and off. Turn the power off, turn the power back on, and the computer jumps back into life pretty much the way that it was running at perfectly without that, you know, without being frozen, without being stuck. And that was my analogy for this experiment. So I spent five days in a coma, and in this, this in during that period, I was actually, you know, you know, I was not conscious on the physical plane, but I was having experience in the energetic plane, so to speak, in that white light space between worlds, between life and death, and I experienced a life review. I reviewed my life, and I had to you know, learn my life lessons as a result of that life review. And it really made me realize that I had not experienced much life at all. And it made me realize that I hadn't really done much with my life. And it made me realize and, and question what I was really here to do. And I was getting coached and guided in this space. There was entities, there were, there were other conscious entities there that were guiding and coaching me through this process. In the white light room and as a result I had to find out I had to figure out my reason for being on earth 
I, so what would be my reason for going back into that body? That was kind of how the question was posed. And at first I had nothing. I did not know what I was going back for. Why would I go back? Like it's a pretty, it's a tough slog, you know, like being alive and, and navigating all the lies in the media and ourselves and our relationship with reality and our relationship with consciousness and and with our bodies and and then with these forms of survival and having to thrive and having to be productive and there's all these different elements I was like man I don't know why I would go back but it came to the 11th hour and they were like hey look you know like you you really need to make a decision right now and so I I dug deep and I realized that there were philosophers and wizards and, you know, just different, like, mystics that knew information, that knew knowledge, that had a grasp of, you know, understanding this the nature of reality that I didn't know. And I wanted to know that. And I wanted so bad to know that, what you know, what these mystics and philosophers and wizards, they, what they knew. And then to to know that, to share it, well, to know that, embody it, and then to share it with the world, that became, that was my calling. And that's the reason why I came back. And uh, at least that's, that was my reason for coming back. Because if I didn't figure out my reason for coming back, I would go on a different journey. I would continue with the momentum of the choices of my experience, of my of how I got to that place, and I would have to, you know, course correct and navigate from that point, from a new point with the amnesia of coming into a new body and and that whole journey. And I thought, you know, like, I was aware, I was conscious, I knew what I was doing. I was like, no, 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 let's go back, let's figure this out, let's go back to the original mission. You know, like, I want to be a philosopher, I want to be a wizard, I want to be like... A mystic. I want to be able to tap into source energy and to communicate with entities, you know, that exist in vibrational frequency alone. So here I am. I'm back. <laughs> but essentially, that just that that began like a whole ten year journey to discover, you know, like what I was looking for at the time, which was sifting and sorting through information sifting and sorting through lies and sifting and sorting through deception to find the signal of truth to find you know the stat signal of truth and then to start to build a body of knowledge and start to understand that greater body of knowledge so that I would have the wisdom then to steer my own ship and to navigate and to create the life that I wanted to do to to live and that became a 10-year journey for me like I was I was an entrepreneur that whole time and I guess many different businesses many different um, explorations of what it means to have a business many different industries I was in and really just exploring and and gathering this body of knowledge and an experience base so that when the time was right I knew what to do I would know what to do and I found the time was right when I think it was in 2011 I was (laughs) cleaning nightclubs 
I had a nightclub cleaning business and <laughs> cleaning business, <laughs> I should say. And I was um I was having quite an education, quite profound experience. I'd been doing that for a number of years. I was listening to podcasts at the time. I was, you know, I was listening to very long podcasts from the Peace Revolution podcast series. Some of those podcasts are like 13 hours long and I would do, you know, shifts of 12 to 15 hour shifts at the nightclub and <laughs> cleaning toilets listening to philosophical discussions about life and and exploring the nature of reality and exploring the nature of truth and how to find truth and you know what are rhetorical fallacies and all these sorts of things and it really gave me an educational like it it gave me an education that that school didn't do and it gave me an education just being exposed to this information that that was really profound in terms of me just showing up and doing my own thing and and feeding myself quality, quality information. And that really just led me into a transformation, an information transformation, if you will, where I was molding the, the neural network of my mind whilst I was cleaning nightclubs and it was kind of like a PhD education, if, if I do say so myself. And as a result, I came out the other end liberated. I came out the other end with my mind tuned in, tapped in, liberated, and accelerated. And it was during that time that I, I lost my cleaning jobs. <laughs> so I lost my cleaning jobs, and I was like, what am I going to do next? This is amazing. Like, I saw it Initially, I saw it like I was like resisting. So I was like, ah, the fuckers, how dare they fire me? As many other people had experienced in 2008 when there was a financial crisis, I was experiencing late three years later in 2011. And I was like, ah, how dare they? And then I was like, oh my God, what a blessing in disguise. I don't have to do that shit anymore. I can't believe it. I am so looking forward to this next chapter. And at the time, I was researching sailing boats. I had met a, I met a yachty at a coffee shop, and he was telling me about how he lived. You know, he was living the dream. He would sail for six months and, you know, explore tropical islands here in Australia. And he would come back and work for six months and save up and to do the next to do the same thing next year. And I was like, wow, that is a that is an amazing lifestyle. I want that lifestyle. So I started looking into boats and, and you know, really like trying to understand what am I looking at here when I look at a sailing boat and trying to find a boat to buy, essentially. And this all just came about during this, when I lost my cleaning jobs. And, and as a result, I found a boat. I checked it out. I, I flew down to check it out. And then I moved all my stuff into storage and tidied everything up that I needed to tidy up. And then I flew flew down to the boat without having any sailing experience, without knowing how to operate, you know, a sailing vessel. I moved down to the boat without knowing how to sail, without knowing how to navigate, without knowing, you know, what I was doing. And, And then I had to figure it out. So I put myself on the edge 
and I, I explored what that edge looked like. And I had to really utilize these tools, these lost tools of learning to dissect the boat, to break it apart, to figure out what the individual pieces were, if they'll figure out if they're working, and then to reconstruct it back into a working order so that every component of the boat if it was critical, it needed to be in operation. And I needed to be able to rely upon that because I was literally heading off into the unknown, sailing from Adelaide through the Southern Ocean, through the Bass Strait, and then up the eastern, up the, the east coast of Australia, back up to Byron Bay. And then the vision was to sail the boat up to the Whitsundays and to have a holiday up there and to really you know, experience those tropical islands for myself. So I spent, what is it? I don't know, three months, I think three months fixing up the boat, learning how to sail. And then it finally came time to set off on that adventure, to set off into the unknown. And this became a classic little hero's journey within the hero's journey. So one thing you're going to hear from me a lot during this podcast is the notion that we are living journeys within journeys within journeys within journeys. And the quicker that you can realize the individual journeys that you're having, like the individual hero's journeys that you're experiencing in your life, and you're at different stages within each different hero's journey, and they are different each hero's journey has, is at a different magnitude than the other. So there's big ones, there's small ones, there's daily ones, and there's you know whole lifetime journeys. And I found myself on this sailing trip. It was a three-month, three to six-month hero's journey where I had to learn how to sail and sail back. And, and it was the most profound experience, most accelerated, profound experience of my life where I overcame the fear of the unknown, where I overcame the fear of being alone and being autonomous and being self-reliant and, you know, and really built that, that courage, that mental strength, that, you know, physical strength to rely upon myself and to navigate in the unknown literally, and to face Mother Nature and, and all of her glory with knowledge, with my knowledge, with my understanding, and with my, my wisdom to react, to perform, to counteract, to maneuver, to course correct along the way. And the metaphors are like brilliant for, you know, a sailing trip and a sailing boat and, and for navigating one's life. So during that journey, you know, like I had to actually set off on you know quite a pretty big leg for a complete novice so I'd probably had like about 10 hours of sailing that I'd built up over the time or a bit more probably actually you know of just like practicing tacking and practicing in different conditions and then essentially I had a a 36 hour leg to do from kangaroo island to robe uh, a small fishing village in south australia and I was pretty shit scared. So I, I I'm, had met up with another yachty, a veteran yachty, ex-Navy. He's been around the world. He's been living on his boat for 15 years or something. And he's got a cat and he's doing a university degree. 
um, while he's sailing around the world, and he was like, hey, I'm leaving Kangaroo Island tomorrow afternoon, and the winds are going to be picking up, and they're coming from the southeast or something like that, and, you know, it's going to be a great wind window for me to sail to uh, to Melbourne, sorry, and that's like a three three-day sailing trip. And he, you know, he knows what he's doing. I have no idea. So I was like, all right, well, I'm going to follow you out and I'm going to tag along for the ride. He had a bigger boat. He could go faster than I could in my boat, especially with his experience. So tagging along actually just meant embarking together. And then, you know, by the time it was nighttime, losing sight, losing radio contact with my friend Bob and literally being out in the middle of the ocean with no sight of land, with no contact, like no phone reception, no radio contact out there on my own. And I didn't know what the fuck was going on. And I forgot the weather was what, you know, like I didn't know, like I was like blind to what was coming up, up ahead. So all I really had to do, all I really could do was just be present and be like hyper aware of my surroundings and be hyper aware of the boat and the noises on the boat and everything became very still like I was like super aware of the creaks and cracks and and all the different sensations the laps of the water the ripples the waves and the wind I was super hyper aware of all these things because I had experienced times during this trip where I wa- if I wasn't aware, the wind could throw me off course and that my sails were not trimmed for that wind angle and I would accelerate <laughs> at breakneck speeds in the wrong direction and it was pretty scary shit being out there all alone. So, you know, I developed this, this level of anxiety around sailing, <laughs> if you will, this level of awareness and essentially, it was just a lot of adrenaline really running through my veins because, you know, I was feeling that very, that very real experience of, of life and death. Whereas if I if I did do something wrong, you know, I could end up in the drink and find my boat sailing away with without me, and I would not survive that. So during the time during at around eleven o'clock at night, the cold front came through and produced a lot of wind. And the seas eventually got bigger and bigger. They formed to three to four meters in size. The wind got up to 30 to 40 knots. And I had to really, like, hold on. My my self-steering equipment malfunctioned, my wind vane. It malfunctioned, or I didn't know how to use it properly. And, and it probably was a bit too much for those conditions. And I didn't know how to use it properly. Like, I didn't know how to, like, adjust my sails and keep everything operating so that broke (laughs) i broke that nearly lost it in 300 meters of water but salvaged it at 11 o'clock at night and had a backup unit a backup tiller arm and that steered the ship that steered the ship the whole way back and i really like had to really focus like i i was awake the whole time focusing on the waves the wind and and my position and bearing and yeah, it was a profound experience to cross that little bit of water and then to round into the Cape at Robe the next day, you know, like 
probably close to 10 o'clock again. So was, and as I was rounding the cape, I came side onto the waves and the wave washed into the cockpit and got my phone wet. Now I didn't have navigation. And, you know, like these are all the trials. This is like a micro hero's journey within the macro of the, um, the actual bigger three, six month journey. And water got into my phone. I lost navigation. I couldn't, I couldn't see the charts and I could just navigate via line of sight. And I knew there was a jetty and a headland and a reef and all these different dangers that I had to steer away from. And there was a rock wall and I had to get in there and then tie up in the marina somewhere. Uh, it was like, you know, it was just pure like performance under pressure. I was like navigating in around this headland and I ducked in behind the reef and I knew there was a jetty there and I was like, all right, there's a jetty. And then I was like, well, where's the beach? Well, where's the, where's the rock wall? I couldn't find the rock wall. couldn't find the entrance to the harbour. Never been here before and it was dark. There was no navigation lights and there was no radio. So I, um, I could see a glimmer of light on the horizon. I thought, oh, maybe that's the entrance to the harbour. And I just aimed, steered towards there and... And as I got into that sheltered cove, I actually felt the bottom of the boat rub on the sand. And I, th- and I quickly realized, like, oh, that shimmer of light is waves lapping on the beach. So I quickly hooked the boat into reverse, got off that beach, and, <laughs> and then found the rock wall just to my left. And then steered and made my way into the harbor and opened a bottle of wine and got pretty drunk that night. And I was... um. I was that was a big that was a big day that was so big in my sailing journey that nothing else has ever compared to it since that was the roughest that was the most scary that was the most testing trial for sailing and then after that the whole journey became much clearer much simpler much smoother I knew what I was doing a lot more and I had a lot more confidence a lot more knowledge under my belt as a result of that first trip and when I eventually made it back to Byron Bay and I felt this whole like full circle emotional experience of, of coming back to this place where I thought I'd never make it to again. And this is like that hero's journey part of this whole mythological experience of being alive that I, I, I really didn't know what to do next. I felt on top of the world and then I, and then I found myself back in society that was the normal like that was the same the same society and nothing had changed and I was like wow like this is so surreal that no one else has changed at all like they're running the same programs they were before I left and I like dropped all these programs and just started like had to relearn everything you know from a boating perspective and then I found it very empowering and very confusing because society was the same people around me were the same but i was way 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 different i had a transformation which is the nature of the hero's journey in and of itself like on a on a mythological sense the hero's journey is a transformational modality to pick up your life and to reinvent yourself and to come out the other end, a changed human being, 
with new programs, with new sets of resources and capabilities, and with a gift, with gifts of this whole journey, with with whole new perspective and realization of life. And that was my experience. So I was sleeping on my brother's couch at the time, sleeping on my boat half the time, and playing video games. And it was great, smoking a bit of weed, playing video games, and loving life, like loving exploring like my inner world and exploring this feeling of feeling invincible, being the hero of this journey, and asking the questions of what next? Like, what am I going to do next? Because it seems like everything else just doesn't, like, it seems like everything else pales in comparison to this journey. So I was like, what next? And I found myself asking these questions, these bigger questions, like, what are the, what's the pro- biggest problem that I can solve in the world? And that sort of came, um, I don't know what came first, whether, whether it was that question, me questioning myself to, you know, to solve big problems in the world, or whether it was this inspiration that I got from playing the video game Grand Theft Auto V to create a different video game that was like that was diametrically opposed to Grand Theft Auto. Grand Theft Auto is like very violent, destructive, and there's a lot of um, just obscene situations and circumstances in there. Uh, violence and nudity and language and there's just a whole bunch of like bad programming there for the next generation. So I thought that you know, this is like a problem. This is a pretty big problem. How do we train the next generation to be more aware, to be more tuned into themselves, to be more present with themselves when they're playing these destructive games in virtual reality lands- landscapes? Or with, you know, like, what is that? Open world landscapes, I guess, Grand Theft Auto is. So I was um, grappling with that idea and I, I came to the, con- you know, then I, I got this inspiration this got got this inspiration for this different game, this diametrically opposed video game that taught different skills about how to navigate life, that taught different skills about the variety of um, of life on Earth, and it most fundamentally didn't disconnect the the gamer from their reality, but. It, you know, fundamentally created more connectivity with their reality. So I found myself asking the question of how do I code karma into the video game because I wanted to have a game that was based on these natural, the cause and effect relationship of karma so that the gamer, the character in the game, grew and evolved as you played, you know, this this avatar, this this character in the game. And so that your your awareness in the game, your characteristics in the game grew and evolved and that you were steering the ship of your own evolution within the game, within the core matrix of the game. So I was like, how do I code karma into a video game? And that became my number one question I was seeking to solve. The number one problem I was seeking to solve is how do I code karma into the video game? And I set out and I went to my favorite coffee shop and I 
took my smart drugs, I took modafinil for the first time, and I was like, all right, that's it. Today I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to solve this problem. How do I code karma into the video game? And I had no idea how to do that, but that's okay. I was going to figure it out. I was going to sit there with a pen and pad and just start to explore what the answer would look like. And then I got sent a, a, um, a picture message. I got sent a picture of a crop circle. And this crop circle was like random, out of the blue. It was just circles and lots of circles within circles, kind of like heroes' journeys within heroes' journeys. And I was like, okay, so that's random. Some, you know, um, my ex-partner, she sent me this crop circle. What does it mean? And I started to use that as a as a as a tool for this problem-solving process I was in of how to code karma into the video game. And then I I saw the cause and effect relationship of all these circles, and I use the framework of the hero's journey to uh, um, decode the circles and their interrelationships with each other. And I was like, wow, this, there's a pattern emerging within this this crop circle that leads me to suspect that there is a feedback loop within this geometry. And that within this geometry, we can understand our own relationship with consciousness. We can understand our relationship with our own awareness. And we can understand the, we can participate within the feedback loop of Mother Nature, of karma, of the quantum field. And as a result of that, now we can, I can decodify this crop circle and get the numbers and really start to plug that into a, an algorithm, a, you know, and code that into the video game. Check. But more importantly, I was like, how do I code this? Like, how do I teach this so that it can inform human beings on how they're relating to quantum feedback or to karma or how they're relating to this this cause and effect relationship that we're all in like this is a sea of of quantum possibilities and as a result of being in a sea of essentially energy the quantum field dictates that 99.99999% of everything is space and in that space there's vibrational frequencies and these vibrational frequencies dictate the nature of possibility the nature of what arises in your environment what how your world is made manifest by your thoughts your feelings and actions so if quantum physics is the science of possibility and the quantum field is the matrix that allows possibility to become whatever it needs to be then the feedback mechanism is how we connect our thoughts and our feelings and our actions into the matrix of the quantum field that influences the quantum physics of reality. And that creates what we see and touch and feel and we experience as physical objects of dense matter. So thanks for listening to the first episode of the Quantum Feedback Podcast. I really appreciate you. I really appreciate the work that you're doing on yourself and for being here and for being present and doing the work and continuing to do the work. Because if nothing else, this work where we do the inner work that reflects the outer world, uh, that is what we're here to do. And that is the actual most important thing for us to be doing. So 
I really just want to acknowledge you. I see you. And I look forward to bringing you more amazing episodes and diving into this mystical topic of how we connect to the feedback mechanism of life. So make sure you subscribe to the Quantum Feedback Podcast wherever you get your audio inputs. Thank you.